Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but right now, 314 314- or 36-7900, or 1-800-925-1120. With ideas, questions, comments, or concerns, Alex will be answering the phone. All he needs is your first name and where you're calling from. He doesn't need to know what you're calling about or anything else. That's my part of this game. And, Mr. Kelly, before you take off. Yeah, first of all, i got to say something. We love your little ditty, that little song right there. And to watch you, too, when that comes on, you look like you're, you're trying to dance. I know you're trying to dance. You kind of look like buoys on a rough day on the river, just kind of bouncing up and down. Can I picture that? Well, I'm trying yeah. to keep up with the birds. <laughs> <laughs> okay, your question. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, related to the news, you know, something yes. about Columbia closing the bars early. Yeah. So does that mean if you close the bars early, you don't get coronavirus, but if you stay open late? What's closing early have to do with anything? Well, that's a good question. I guess it it reduces the opportunity to gather, and maybe the more you drink, the closer you get. I don't know. I don't know. But it does kind of seem, yeah, so you got all, you know, you got 12 hours a day. So, okay, you open at noon or 11 o'clock, so you got 10 hours a day by the time you close at 9 for people to gather. Now, they should have every other table (laughs) blocked off, and they... Not you're not supposed to. I don't think stand at the bar, so you're, they're trying to keep you apart. I guess the theory is is that the longer you're there, the more likely you are to gather closely together. And I get, guess and get poisoned. I yeah, I guess. <laughs> so that's a, that is a good question. Uh, I don't know. I just don't quite understand closing early. No, <laughs> you, you know they're just walking a tightrope. You don't want to kill all the businesses, but right. until we get this out of the way. That's why you got to wear a mask. Yeah. You know, it's just real basic, simple science that's been proven. We had the report this morning where Dr. Garza was saying how when people wore a mask, it dropped 30%. You're kidding. No. Wow. And so it's it's been proven. It's It works, folks. And we got all this misinformation out there that just drives me crazy. And, I, you know, it just... And speaking of masks, I see you have yours with you. I have mine right here. I'll, right. I'll put it on, and you can't even tell the difference, can you? Maybe no. it, de- it might deepen my voice a little bit. Maybe I should wear it all the time. Yeah, that sounds yeah. really good. <laughs> well, thanks, Brian. You're welcome. Saturday morning. Yes, it is Saturday morning. And let's have a roundtable discussion about what's going on in your yard. And uh, 
You want to have a new garden space? Let's say you want to have herbs, you want to have edibles, you want to have butterfly garden or whatever. How about a taste of the tropics? Your house plants are really, they should be robust outside. Except I see some people, you know, they don't quite understand all house plants are not the same. You know, when I'm walking through the neighborhoods or whatever, boy, they've put some plants in full sun that should have never been there, and they are sunburnt major bad. So, uh, Taking a sunburnt houseplant back inside, recovery is going to be minimized. So what is a potting mix? How to improve your soil before you do any transplanting or planting? Should you be shearing or pruning anything? What are those bugs? Uh, uh. I saw my first Japanese beetle the other day. It was dead on the ground, but uh, I haven't seen any. I don't see that many in the city anyway, but uh, it's just, you know, it's been minimized as far as the Japanese beetles go this year. And uh, my thoughts and orchestrations will help you orchestrate, hopefully, and solidify your options. Of course, the final judgment is on your shoulders. This is your show, by the way, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home car or wherever you happen to be listening. Another important player, as I said earlier, is Alex. He's producing. He answers the phone. And I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And during the week and sometimes on weekends, I can come to your home and do a walk and talk, which is landscape consultation. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number where I can be reached. Well, let's get going. And a Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting. Well, I decided I was kind of in the morning when I'm having breakfast, I where should I take my Good Gardening Stroll? Today, I thought, I'm going to head to Macklin. Macklin to Neosho. What's there? It's the Southampton Community Garden. The perimeter is enclosed by an explosion of sunflowers. Various varieties. There's some geraniums in there. Also, a lot of redbud seedlings. I don't know where the redbud tree is around there, where the seeds keep dropping in that area. No big deal. There's milkweed. There's goldenrod. There's keel. There's turtle, turtle whatever, keeloni, and much, much more. On the north end, there's a mural painted on the end of a, a building, and there's chairs there for relaxing and viewing. A compost bin with a guide. Crickets and starlings create the vocal tempo this morning. Individual race beds, man, some with, well, all of them in between. A neatly mowed lawn. There's tomatoes. There's corn. There's deterra. There's a, a four-foot-high rosemary. I don't, that thing is massive. There is some nice ageratum, a huge zucchini plant. There is some yellow and orange marigolds, both. Watermelons, a trio, and these watermelons were pretty good size. They were not quite as big as basketballs, but they were the round ones, and uh, they looked really good. I thought, well, maybe I should take one. No, I didn't take that. And uh, there's kale as well growing. <laughs> I heard something. I didn't know what the sound was. I looked, and some squirrel was climbing a huge sunflower and i guess he was going up to see if he could get any seed out of the sunflower flower and uh he gave up and just kind of turned around and went back down there were some orange nasturtiums there's uh, sweet alyssums both white and the purples there are some peppers growing flowering garlic ragweeds zucchinis oh i already said zucchinis zinnias neat looking bench which is chained to about a 30 foot high juniper there's cabbage and Brussels sprouts. Roma tomatoes, you better get out there and get those things picked and to make some tomato marinara sauce because they are kind of, they're kind of 
getting really, really ripe. And uh, they, those Roma tomatoes are tied to a trellis because there's so many tomatoes on these plants. They're so heavy. They, I mean, they're taking care of them. I'm surprised they haven't, uh, you know, harvested them yet. But anyway, there's newly planted beets, newly planted Swiss chard. And what a great morning to be on in the Southampton neighborhood. Perfect morning, weather-wise and everything else. So if you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, uh, sycamore trees. Remember earlier in the spring they had anthracnose and they lost a lot of leaves? Well, now because of the weather and, you know, they're losing a lot of leaves again. The sycamores have had a really tough summer, well, spring and summer this year. So sycamores are planted quite a bit as park trees and everything else, but it's kind of amazing how many leaves are already on the ground underneath them. So tough time for the old sycamores. But right now, let's head over to Chuck's yard. Hi, Chuck. How are you? Yeah, good morning, and thanks for your show. I really appreciate it. Um, last fall on one of your shows, you were, someone called in about lantanas, mm-hmm. and could you bring them in at the end of the year? And you said, that's fine. Well, I brought mine in, and it, it lived, and I put it back out this spring in the same pot, and this thing is huge. Uh, it's like five feet in diameter, and it had flowers all summer, and so uh, I'm going to do that again this fall. But my wife and I actually went to a nursery and bought uh, several different types of plants for butterflies. And I guess my question is, these uh, I put them all, they're still in the pots. Before, I didn't want to plant them right away just to see how big these things were going to get. So could I bring these things in this fall and keep them inside and then replant them next spring? It depends upon what, if they're hardy, you know, let's say butterfly plants, no, they're not going to live inside. They have to go through the dormancy of the wintertime and everything else. So, but if they're an annual or slash tropical that just happens to have a color or whatever magnetic quality that attracts butterflies, yes. But if they're hardy varieties of perennials, no. Okay, like milkweed? No, you can't bring that inside. Oh, gosh. Thanks a lot. (laughs) You you made me more work, but uh, uh, at least uh, I'll know that they're going to be safe outside this winter. Right. So, in other words, let's say you don't know exactly where you want to plant them. You can just dig a hole and drop the pot down into a hole, you know, and fill the holes in around the pot until you decide exactly where you want them to go. So, you have that option, or you can just, you really... From this point forward until tr- probably mid-October, you can plant perennials pretty safely, and they'll get well-established before uh, wintertime comes. Okay, one more question. Uh, I've got all these plants in a corner of my backyard uh, near my bird feeders. i got three bird feeders and two hummingbird feeders. Uh, will the birds uh, scare the uh, butterflies away? Um you probably don't have that many birds. I don't think you know butterflies really. You know they don't care too much about birds. Okay, okay, that's that's what I needed to know. Thank you very much. Well, great. Well, thanks for having me on your show. Take care. Now let's go over to Clara's yard. Hi, Clara. Hi. 
Uh, I have a question about a humming, uh, about butterfly bush too. I live in an apartment and I had my hummingbird bush outside my window and it it was on, this is the first year, but it got to five or six feet tall with a lot of blossoms on it. And I got hummingbirds and the butterflies. But while I was gone, I think the maintenance man may have sprayed the yard with uh, feed, uh, uh, weed killer and some of it got on my hummingbird bush and on my rose bush and now a lot of that hummingbird bush is is dead now there's a couple sprouts that are still flowering and i had like 30 flowers on it and uh i was wondering what i should do should i cut off those uh, look like dead branches and keep the good ones should have cut the whole thing back this. down. You're mentioning this is a hummingbird bush. Is this a butterfly bush? This is a butterfly bush. Okay. So, yeah, if the, if the foliage, generally a butterfly bush, the foliage is going to be grayish. Is that correct? Is that what you have? Well, it was nice and green, but see now, it's the leaves. Um, three of the branches are all dried up. Yeah, I don't know specifically what variety this is, but. Generally, you're asking what anything that does for the foliage has basically died, you know, or just dangling there, whatever. Go ahead and just cut that off. Cut the bad stuff off and right. keep the good stuff, huh? Right. Okay. Well, that's why I didn't know what to do with it. I'm so disappointed because I had all those butterflies and hummingbirds, and now they don't come, you know. <laughs> Well, they and the rose bush, the same thing. Cut off the bad part and keep the good part, right? right. And those, okay. Both, both those well, very things, good. Thank you very much. Okay. Yes. Bye bye. Bye. Both those are migratory, you know, let's say animals, whether it's butterflies or hummingbirds. So they're just passing through. So the fact that they're not around anymore, that just means they've, you know, the ones that would go by your yard or whatever, your balcony or your deck or your patio have, you know, maybe there's just no more coming. Let's go now to uh, Diana's. Hi, Diana. Hello. Hello. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. Okay, so I think I need to increase my volume. Okay, so I have uh, two concerns. One, let me start with the poison ivy. I have vines of poison ivy growing in my garden. I know. And uh, a couple of years ago, I bought some poison ivy uh, spray. It was a, a solution that I sprayed onto the leaves, and I also poured some uh, into directly into the soil where the poison ivy was growing. And they keep coming back. So how do I get rid of the poison ivy? Uh, well, the best thing to do to try to get rid of it, if you've tried, if you've tried the herbicide and it hasn't worked, is to dig it out. Dig? Okay. I have a lot of digging to do. <laughs> and, um, and if you're allergic another... to it, if you're allergic to it, you're going to have to protect yourself, too. Because the sap exactly. can be, as, you know, the sap can cause a rash or irritation to your skin yeah i usually wear uh long sleeves okay. when i'm you know trying to dig up poison ivy but i also have another question um 
I like monarch butterflies, and I know one year I grew um, a marigold. I had a marigold garden of about 15 different types of marigolds, and they attracted a lot of um, monarch butterflies because they tend to like bright colors. And uh, I've been seeing monarch butterflies this year, but I don't have my marigolds out. Is it too late to plant marigolds? And one other question about the butterflies. I've been seeing quite a few black butterflies. How? And they're beautiful. Right. So how do they come about? Well, they're just a separate variety. It's just like, uh, you know, different kinds of dogs. You know, there's Rottweilers and there's Chihuahuas and there's, I mean, butterflies. I think in this region, there's about eight or nine different varieties of butterflies potentially. So what can I do to attract the monarch butterflies? Basically, you you know, I'm surprised they'd be attracted to the marigolds because there's nothing there for them to eat. So you want to get things that have small tubular shaped flowers like the general first caller today was talking about lantana. That is a great one for butterflies. Okay. And what about daisies? Daisies, uh, you know, they they really don't go after the sunflower family that much. They like smaller flowers that they can kind of sit on that have clusters of small flowers. So they like to sit and then move their, you know, proboscis and then take a drink and drink and drink you know, on the same cluster. But lantana is a really good one for attracting any kind of butterfly, really. Okay, great. And hummingbirds as well. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Bye. Bye. And now let's go out to St. Charles and into Doug's yard. Hi, Doug. Yes, I have a uh, Rose of Sharon and a Red Bud. They're not a Red Bud, a... uh, Fire, one of the fire bushes. Yeah, you want them? Both about eight foot by eight foot. On the rows of Sharon, do I wait till all the flowers fall off before I trim them back? And on the uh, uh, burning bush, uh, when can I cut that back? Basically, with a burning bush, you know, you want to wait until you know you get to see all the foliage with the color and everything else. Then you can prune it. You got all winter long to prune it before the new growth begins in the spring. And it's pretty much the same thing with the Rose of Sharon. Wait until the leaves start, you know, have fallen off. Then you can prune it or you can prune it in the early spring, sometime after Valentine's Day before the new growth begins. And how much do I prune off? Uh, If you cut off more than like 20%, you could be getting back to the point where there's not any really active buds, you know, present. So you're taking a chance. It may work out fine, but I just, you know, 20%. You know, and if you want to get it smaller and smaller, what you do is just 20% each year that it, you know, until you get to the point where it stops, you know, stops looking healthy or aesthetically valuable. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And where should we go now? Hmm. Let's go to Sean's. Hi, Sean. Hello, Sean. Are you there? Oops. I guess not. Guess he's having some coffee. Now, Marilyn, how are you today? Yes, hello. Hi. Uh, yes, I have a flowering crab apple tree mm-hmm. that on the trunk of the uh, tree 
there's a whole bunch of little tiny holes, and they kind of go around the tree uh, in a circular motion, not up and down. Right. What is that? That's a sap sucker. So that's actually a bird. He's coming oh. along, and he drills a little hole, and then you know gets a drink of the sap. But if the holes are about a quarter inch or so, and they're in a line, that's exactly what that is. Bores uh, or things I, like that. Bores, the hole for them is like the size of a pencil lead, and it's in the bottom two feet of the tree on, or tree trunk only. Yeah, that's kind of basically where it is, and it's about that size, what you said. So, okay, and it, does it hurt the tree? Or? Well, I mean, you know, the sapsuckers are pretty smart. They, this is a source of food for them. So they're smart enough to know where to hit and how often to hit so they don't kill the tree. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. And I also have a crepe myrtle, a small, it's about uh, six, seven foot tall. Mm-hmm. And I, where I have it planted, I don't want it to get too big. So I was wondering, is that okay just to trim them down? Yeah, wait until they finish, you know, until the season's over, you know. Right. And then prune it before the new, before the leaves start emerging in the springtime. Oh, okay. I should wait till early, early spring. Yeah, you can do that. You know, I just prefer with summer bloomers. I prefer to you know wait till we come out of the severe part of winter in case there's okay. some winter kill on the twigs or branches or whatever. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Sure. Enjoy your show. My pleasure. Mike Miller, K M West Garden Hotline. Back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. You might take a look around either in your own landscape or while you're walking around or in a park or something. You're going to start to see the annual warm season weeds. They're all in flower and they're all headed towards dormancy. So that's the spurge, ragweed, purslane, knotweed, lamb's quarter, carpetweed, crabgrass, barnyard grass, goosegrass, foxtail, all of them. I mean, even like with the crabgrass, you can see some that are like three feet high with huge, you know, flowers on the end of it. Flowers, not the classic flowers, flowers that kind of look like just little lumps on a stem. But uh, then you'll, you can look down really close and you see some that are so low and small that they're kind of hiding underneath your regular lawn, but they're already starting to produce flowers as well. So it doesn't take a big plant to produce, you know, flowers slash seeds. So the flowers, who cares? It's the seeds that are a result. And then those seeds will lay there all winter long until it warms up next spring, and then that's when it takes off. That Those warm season annual weeds, that's the ones you control with a pre-emergent in the springtime. But the ones that are cool season annual weeds, the hen bits, the chickweed, the annual bluegrass, those are the ones that you control with putting a pre-emergent down this time of year. So last week, somebody called and said they went to a big box store and they told her you would never put a pre-emergent down this time of year. That's the problem. People don't quite understand. There's two different kinds of annual weeds that you control with pre-emergent. And those pre-emergents have to go down at separate times, one in the springtime, one in mid to late summer. So back to the phones we go. Let's go over to Grant's yard. Hi, Grant. Hi there, Mike. How are you? Very good. Good. Uh, I've got two problems. One is Virginia creeper. Is there a solution? 
Uh, basically, going after it with like a weed be gone type thing, broadleaf weed killer. That would probably be what I'd suggest right now this time of year. Yeah, but it's in a it's in it's taken over a whole large section of ground cover. I I call it euonymus, you know, but it's it's ground cover. It's not ivy. And will, won't I kill that also? Uh, it could damage it. Yes. So, I mean, their only other option is to get in there and start digging out by hand. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Either that or just don't look down at it and just say, uh, oh, this is just in perfect shape. But you, yeah. the Euonymus is pretty tough. Generally, you know, you might try just a one section with a, a weed-be-gone area where the Virginia creeper is there and the Euonymus is there, like a, a three-foot square area, and try it and see what kind of impact it's having on the Euonymus, if that's the winter creeper type of ground cover. Uh, that's, you know, a lot of times can be resistant to any kind of impact due to uh, herbicides. Excellent advice. Good idea. I'll try that. Last, every year, my uh, crepe myrtle dies all the way back. You think it's a goner. Um, actually, I've gone through two or three plants that have done the same thing. I'm in a different section of the yard now, but it still died all the way back. It did come back in spades this year, but what what uh, can I do about that? Anything? Mulch? Compost? Well, generally mulch would, you know, three or four inches of mulch around the perimeter. But, you know, the crepe myrtle, I don't know, let's see, you're 314, so you're not far out, you know, in some, some kind of rural area where it might get a little bit colder. But they're really pretty tough. You know, last year was a fairly mild winter, and the above-ground growth on most of them, not all of them by any means, is, uh, you know, made it through the wintertime. But the varieties or whatever that you're planting, if they're getting basically killed off occasionally due to the winter, that's just when the winters are severe. Okay, then. That's all I got. Thank you. Yep, and that's fine. So, I mean, the you know, the fact that they get killed all the way to the ground, it doesn't matter as long as they come back and give you some great flowers in the summertime. So, thanks, Grant. Well, that's okay. Thank you. Yep. And now let's head over to Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Hey, Mike. How are you this morning? Very good. Love your show. Hey, I have a question for you. So, I have Pachysandra going around a circle drive. Mm-hmm. And... I think I've got uh, a pretty bad infestation of scale on it. Some of the, the leaves are dying out, and I didn't know if you had any suggestions as to what I can do to kill that the scale. So you're seeing scale, meaning flicks of things? Little white dots all over them. Usually, it goes I all mean... the way down the stems. It's pretty... It's pretty uh, pretty dense with the, the spots. Yeah, that's surprising because Pachysandra is usually not, you know, impacted by scale, so that's a little bit surprising. But probably what I would do is, you know, it might be too late this year, but you could go ahead and give it a try. Get some summer-weight horticultural oil and spray uh-huh. it on it, and what that does is suffocate, you know, the actually the scale. But I wouldn't, you know, broadcast spread it all over the place. Again, just like the gentleman I was talking about, if something, you know, is kind of out of the ordinary, try it on a section first and see what the impact is. And then even if you have to wait till next year to put it on, uh, that's just going to be the, you know, the basic case. But always do a test area first when it's something that's a little bit, like I said, out of the ordinary. And scale on Pachysandra, as far as I know, is out of the ordinary. 
Yeah, I, well, I think that's what it is. And some of the uh, some of the leaves have died off um, on it. I've never had a problem with it, so um, I'm thinking that's what it is. Or, or what if it's a uh, it, what if it's like a not scale, or if it's something else. Uh, I would take, you know, take a couple, you know, let's say samples to your favorite garden center, not a big box uh-huh. store garden center, and have them take a look at it. Okay. Another question I have is, is uh, will crepe myrtle grow underneath a uh, pine tree? No. <laughs> okay. Well, I think there's quite a bit of sun, afternoon sun in the area, so I thought maybe they might grow. It's, you know, it's not necessarily sun, shade, or whatever. It's the root system of the pine tree that's going to be problematic. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Oh, one other question. Where would I get that those oils? Would I have to order that online, or is that something that a garden center would carry? Generally, a garden center, a year-round garden center should have the, you know, more or less, there is two different kinds of oils. One is a dormant oil. That's one that you can spray in the wintertime when all the leaves are off everything. But uh, for, like, herbaceous-type ground covers, I'd use a summer weight. So, yes, year-round garden centers should have both of them. Okay, Mike. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Sure. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks. Questions, concerns, or comments, 314 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's go over to Joe's yard. Hi, Joe. Yes, I uh, had some major landscaping done in the backyard, and I've got like 500 square foot of sod, which is doing great. I'm going to have my yard aerated, the front yard. Should I have the sod aerated also or not? How long has the sod been down? Uh, about three months now. Uh, you could go. You could aerate it if you wanted to. You know, if they improve the soil underneath it before they put the sod down, you probably don't need to. You could wait. Oh, they before. didn't. Oh, they didn't. It no. probably wouldn't hurt. So the core aeration, then follow that with like a quarter inch or so of compost as a top dressing. But uh, you okay. should be fine to do that. All right. Thank you very much. Sure. Bye. And now uh, let's see. Let's go over to Carla's yard. Hi, Carla. Hi. Hi. Okay, I have a black diamond crepe myrtle for four years now. The first two years, it bloomed the red flowers, Mm -hmm. but then I transplanted it and um, where there was a little more sun, and I didn't get any red flowers. And so I was just wondering, these last two years, I didn't get any red flowers, and I was just wondering if there was anything I can do about it, or that's just, there's nothing I can do. Basically, now, are you saying it is it, it's not flowering at all, correct? Right, correct. Okay, so when you're just saying red flowers, you're, I just want to make sure it wasn't all of a sudden reverted back to some other color or something along that line. Uh, if it's not flowering, yeah. uh, generally, I would say uh, get rid of it. You know, get another. You okay. know, get another variety. Okay, because otherwise it looks very healthy. Right. I mean, but... if you want to keep it, that's fine. It may, you know, yeah. it may take a couple years to acclimate before it's going to reflower again. But that should not necessarily be the case. But it it certainly could be. So you might wait for another year or so. But if you have three years with no flowers, and even if it looks nice, unless you just really like looking at the leaves, I would consider, you know, kind of giving it the boot. 
Okay. And then one other thing, I have a different variety of a crepe myrtle that is gorgeous. Uh, and it probably gets like 20 foot tall. But uh, do you recommend pruning those back? Well, if it's 20 feet high, the flowers are pretty high up in the air. So, I mean, yeah. that's sort of the disadvantage of letting it get that big. But there are plenty of them that can get that big. And it's not the tree form either. It's just the shrub form that gets really, that gets big. Okay. So okay. you could prune it, uh, you know, cut it back halfway if you wanted to. At, you know, after the, you know, finishes flowering and after the leaves fall off this fall or early spring before the new growth begins. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's right. go to Lori's yard. Hi, Lori. Hi there. Um, I so enjoy your show, and you are amazing. I don't know how you know all you know, but it is just a pleasure to listen. Um, I just have um, a quick question. Um, it's very strange. I live in a neighborhood that has an island running down the middle of the main street, mm-hmm. and so many of the trees are dying. Um, I don't know whether our garden service even has noticed it, but and when I look around at trees in the neighborhood, too, same thing. Um, I have woods behind my house, and there's one that I've noticed doesn't you know it's lost its leaves and i'm just wondering is there a bug or is there something going on right now that is killing a certain species of trees well like i i started the show with the sycamores had anthracnose problems early in the spring and so they almost defoliated entirely then they pushed out with the secondary buds new leaves and right now the sycamores are dropping a lot of leaves so uh-huh. certain trees are, you know, and the sycamores happen to be one of them that's really susceptible to lots of different potential problems. Do you know what kind of trees these are that you say are dying? I'm afraid I don't. Oh. But it and and it even seems like it's more than one kind. But um, I don't know. I, I think some of them are going to have to be taken out. That could be the they, case. I mean, they really look. It's sad. It's yeah, really a lot sad. of trees are. This year, weather-wise, has been very, very tough. Lots okay. of rain. Then a whole month, I think the month of June, was really dry. Then we got some rain. But it's been a very, very tough year for you know, lots of different trees in particular. As I look out yeah. from our studio, there's a park. The Soldiers Memorial's right there. I mean, uh-huh. the discoloration on a lot of the trees, as far as the color of the green, is uh-huh. you know, off. I see some trees that have major branches that are basically naked. So it's just, mm-hmm. it's been just yeah, a tough year. Yeah, that's exactly year. it. That's exactly, uh, you're describing what, what I'm seeing. And um, so you reckon that they'll, they'll let them go and then see if they come back again next year? Right. Is that what you would do? Yeah? yeah. Okay. Okay, well, great. Thank you so much for um, having me on. I appreciate it. Have sure. a good day. My pleasure. Bye-bye. And Lynn, could you do it kind of quickly? Uh, yeah, I have a similar problem with uh, two totally different plants. I have a celeriac that uh, starts beautiful in the summer, and the root gets big, and overnight the greens are dead, and the root is turned to mush. And then I have an oncidium with the same problem. The pseudo uh, bulb gets mushy, and the um, leaves die practically overnight. What's going on? Basically, it's poorly drained, so too much moisture. Oh, okay. So cut back on the watering. Really? I thought celeriac needed a lot of water. No, 
basically, if it, this is happening, that means even if they can handle a lot of water, this is too much water and you're rotting the root systems. Okay, I had that thought, but okay, good to know. Thank you much. Yep, my pleasure. And Suzanne, Zach, Doug, uh, basically we're going to have to get you uh, after the news at the top of the hour. But, uh, again, I'm going to re- sort of reemphasize this is the time of year where putting a pre-emergent down gets rid of the you know the cool season annual weeds. So that's the advantage: the hen bits and you know the chickweeds and the speedwells and things like that that are just really problematic. But then the warm season annual weeds, they're headed towards down you know downhill side. They're flowering, they're producing seed, and then that seed will just lay on the ground. All winter long, it could care less how cold it gets, how much snow comes, or anything else. And then next year, when it starts warming up, around when the forsythia is in bloom, let's say around Valentine's Day, that's when it'll start sprouting. And then it'll grow all the way up until basically this time of year. So the cool season annual weeds, they, they come up now, and then they'll last until it starts warming up. So it's just, I mean, it's a real, real difficult thing, way we have to juggle so many different kinds of aspects in our landscape, you know, with this. uh, And, of course, then there is the perennial weeds, you know, like the dandelions and things like that, and some of the clovers are just really super aggravating. So it's, uh, it's a tough one. So, I mean, you could take the philosophy that my father always had, you know, growing up in Ellisville. He said, if it's green, it is good. He didn't care at all. So anyway, Mike Miller, KMWARS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the Garden Hotline Tip of the Trial Hour. I will be giving that shortly, but right now you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Alex will answer the phone, just your first name and what you're calling about. No, your first name and where you're calling from. So if you have ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And, Mr. Kelly, before you take off, you were talking during the break and everything else about you had to borrow a pickup truck because you needed a load of something. Well, we went, I picked up the elliptical that I bought. What's an elliptical? It's it's like a treadmill, except instead of like a tread, it's got... Like places to put your feet and you push down on ah. it. So kind of like a standing bicycle. Wow. Kind of like that, yeah. So those are so, heavy, aren't they? They are heavy. It was quite heavy. I think it was 200 pounds is what uh, the guy who sold it to us told us. And uh, I would say that was pretty accurate. So you got yeah. it inside? <laughs> no, it's actually, it's out on the patio, ah. and which I like because yesterday morning for the first time ever, I got up early and worked out before coming to work. So I got up at 6. So I'm outside about 7 o'clock or so, and it's just beautiful. Right. So you get out there and work out a little bit. It's kind of nice. Wow. So, by the way, uh, Sue called me after after our conversation about bars. And see, I don't know this because I, I go to bed early anymore. I used to stay out late. And she said that you close the bars early because they usually get more crowded late at night. Now, how she knows that, I don't really know. <laughs> So when but, you're going to bed early, she's yeah. headed out and headed to the bar. Apparently, <laughs> I don't know, but and that makes sense. You know, a lot of people don't start partying until nine o'clock or ten o'clock. Right. The younger folk, and so they do tend to get crowded later on in the night. So that's right. one of the reasons they do that. So, yeah, that's yeah. way too late for me since I'm a boomer. Well, I, I I'm going to quit going to bed early. Yeah, I'm I'm at the tail end of the boomers, and uh, I got to see where how she knows that because you know, yeah, yeah. Mm. 
Mm, you know. Sounds a little suspicious. I know. Got to keep an eye on her. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yes, folks, thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, caring for, ups and downs, and all around. The annuals, the annuals have been nothing but spectacular this year. And you still got an opportunity to maybe, I haven't seen any pansies at the garden centers yet. Maybe there are some, but I just have not seen them. Now, if you buy mums this time of year, basically, you know, from a, wherever, I mean, the grocery stores have them and everything else, you might as well consider them as annuals because they're probably not going to have an opportunity. They may, but they probably won't to get acclimated to make it through the wintertime. So those are you could consider annuals. The uh, bulbs, the summer bulbs, oh, again, this year have been just nothing but short of spectacular. And it's too soon, even if you've got them purchased or they've been shipped to you, to plant your daffodils, your tulips, or any of your spring flowering bulbs. It's too early. You're going to have to wait until October to do that. Your edibles, your ground covers, your house plants, your lawn, your perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, and water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. Alex is across the big board, so he answers the phone, he produces, he pushes all the buttons. Push the button by Chemical Brothers. Anyway, that's called the song is really galvanized. It's not push the button. Anyway, during the week, I spend my time doing landscape consultations. So if you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and the homepage has my phone number and email address. And we can schedule a walk and talk at your home. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me. It's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial goes out to all the people. Well, first of all, Perennial vines, sweet autumn clematis is in full flower right now. And I mean, that fragrance, I was walking the other day and I thought, what is that? And I, you know, I hadn't been really conscious of the sweet autumn clematis in bloom, but I looked up and there it was. Small white flowers, probably like the size of a quarter, thousands of them. And the fragrance is nothing short of spectacular. It's not a fragrance that's too overwhelming. It's nice and subtle and natural. But also, so everybody that has sweet autumn clematis, you know, through the neighborhoods or through whatever the thing is, too, that stuff is a little bit aggressive. So it produces seed that blows, and it can come up who knows where all over the place. And then people who grow the moonflowers, I've seen several moonflowers. you got to see those very early in the evening, you know, as that's when they open up. By the time the sun's completely out in the morning, they're dropping in the morning glories. All three of those vines really add a nice touch to, let's say, I don't want to say the end of summer, but kind of the end of summer, beginning of fall. So thanks to all the vine growers. I greatly appreciate it. Moonflowers and morning glories, those can self-seed, or else you can just buy some new seed each year. And then the sweet autumn clematis, that is a perennial. So why don't we take a call or two before we take a break? Let's go to Suzanne's. Hi, Suzanne. Good morning. I have an indoor plant question. I have a fiddle leaf fig, and it has grown so tall that it's that the ceiling, and now it's bending down. And I'm not sure how I want to break this off. Uh, I'm not sure. I I just don't want to hurt it. (laughs) Well, basically, what you can do is just you can cut it at whatever height you want, 
and just you could root the you know the cutting, but it's probably not worth the trouble. So just cut it off and make the cut at a 45 degree angle, and just you know that's about all you need to do with a nice you know pruner that you'd use outside because fiddly fig is basically it's in you know where it's native to is a tree. Here it's you know a house plant, but it still has of quite a tough stem slash trunk. So will it fill out or branch off if I cut the top off? You, fiddly figs are a little bit, you know, you don't really see too many of them really branchy. You will see maybe a couple of them that will have three stems coming up, but usually that's three different plants that are originally done by the production nursery. But, no, they don't branch out a whole lot, to be honest. Okay. So it's just going to be, right. sho- yeah, it's going to be shorter, but it's not going to have a lot of horizontal branching. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And let's go now to Doug's yard. Hi, Doug. Hi, Mike. Uh, I've got a couple of questions if you have time for them. The first one, though, is about uh, vincas. My wife bought a whole bunch of vincas maybe two months ago, put them in our front garden, and uh, they looked beautiful. But then uh, they just started wilting one after another, kind of way down the line. It started at one end of the row, maybe 70 feet, and then just gradually uh, wilted all the way down. We're talking about the annual vinca, right? Glossy. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> she well, bought them. <laughs> well, it's like a glossy leaf and then clusters of, let's say, flowers that are about the size of a quarter or 50 cent piece? Yep. Okay. Yep. Basically, they really cannot handle a whole lot of water. So uh, if you're doing extra watering, because a lot yeah. of times people will overwater and they will, that's an instant death. Guilty as charged. Okay. <laughs> the other question is, in this long garden bed running along the front of our house, uh, when we moved in, it was full of clay and rocks and stuff. Um, is it a good idea to just dig out the roses and the other things and then dig out all that clay and stuff and replace it with better dirt um, in fall? You don't necessarily have to dig out and replace. What you need to do is improve. So you might have to pull out, you know, whatever you have growing in there so you can just improve the whole thing. But adding, like, a topsoil compost mix to the existing soil, unless this is just really super horrible, I would say blending with the existing soil is to the advantage of the plant material versus digging everything out and just putting, let's say, an artificial environment in. Okay. All right. Thanks so much. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, uh-huh. KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Patty's yard. Hi, Patty. Hi, Mike. How Hi. are you this morning? Very good. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, my question is, I have some driftwood rose bushes, and I've got like five of them along the side of my driveway. And this spring, they bloomed beautifully. I mean, they were just beautiful in May. And now I looked a few weeks ago, and the leaves have fallen off. Oh. And what hasn't fallen off is brown. Now, I do have some of the branches are brown. Some of them are still green. Um, I've not really noticed any bugs on them, but there is a little bit of webbing on one of the branches. I was wondering, is there any way to save these, or are they gone? How old are they? 
the the roses are probably the bushes are probably three to four years old. You know, my guess is they're probably. I would say don't get rid of them yet, but they could be on okay. the downhill side because this is a variety of rose that doesn't do all that well here. And with that, again, the weather this year has played a lot of bad games with some plant material. And the fact they're close, how close are they to the driveway? Uh, they're very close. I've only got like a two to three foot area that's got some decorative rock in it. Okay, and that's where so I planted them. basically you've probably baked the root systems of these roses. Oh, the, boy. Okay. Because it's just too hot. First of all, the driveway and then the rocks and everything else. So this is just not the ideal environment to be growing roses. Okay. Okay. What would you, can you suggest something that would flower that I could put there uh, if they do die? That, that is as far as a, a perennial goes or you want a shrub? Yes. Like something like a bush, something that would maybe do well there. Uh, so let's see, shrub wise. That's just a really tough spot uh, to okay. be honest with you. Okay. I mean, you go and you look in parking lots, you know, let's say retail parking lots. They've got burning uh-huh. bushes. They've got a few things, but they, for the most part, they look horrible, you know, after okay. a couple years. So this is just not the ideal environment. Probably just a ground cover or something like that that can handle the heat, some of the sedums or creeping flocks okay. or something along that line. But shrub-wise, I would say avoid. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for taking my call. Sure. My pleasure. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. And now let's go over to John's yard. Hi, John. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to let you know I'm 29 and listening for over 20 years, and there's a lot of young listeners who love what you're doing out there. <laughs> uh, I got a couple quick questions. Uh, I'm transplanting a few apple trees. Is there anything besides, like, berm and watering schedule to reduce stress during that? Uh, basically, you know, getting the hole the right size, so three times the diameter of the root ball. Are you doing it now? Are you digging them up and planting them? Uh, I've got the holes already partially dig, okay. dug. So get you know, get it done as po- you know as soon as possible because you want to get them transplanted while the ground is still warm, so it can s- sort of trigger some root hair growth before they get to go to sleep for the winter time. So okay, and. Uh, Come springtime, what is your uh, pre-emergent of choice? Um, it doesn't really matter. Just uh, you know, whatever your favorite garden center carries. All right, and uh, one quick question, uh, and then I'll hang up. You spent a lot of time out in California and here in Missouri. Uh, is there a favorite plant that you can't grow here and a favorite one that you can grow here? <laughs> you mean from California? Or anywhere out that outside of you know our zone. Um, no, not necessarily. Anything that I, I would really, that I really enjoyed. I've, you know, fooled around with just growing houseplants for a lot. I don't have that many anymore. But, uh, no, there's nothing that's exceptionally out of the ordinary that, you know, there's things that we can grow here that they can't grow there and vice versa. And mm-hmm. there's just nothing that's going to be, let's say, overwhelming, spectacular, one place or the other, that you can't find something that's going to almost give the same aesthetic value back. Yeah. Okay, and uh, if I could give a shameless plug for your book, uh, Month to Month, oh, man, that's like a Bible for me. <laughs> All your <laughs> listeners, you got to go get it from your local bookstore. <laughs> well, thanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks, John. And, yeah, I mean, there there's a lot of different things that, you, you know, that you, I mean, California, 
there's like nine different climate zones there because you're starting on the coast and you're going up high in the mountains, like in the Sierras. So there is all sorts of things. I mean, the redwood trees and all that other stuff you can't grow here, and they're, they're spectacular. But, uh, you know, I mean, there's some things here that, uh, you know, you're not going to look like redwood forest by any means, but still it's, you know, there's just all kind of in the eyes of the beholder. Let's go over to Richard's yard now. Hi, Richard. Hi, good morning. Uh, we've been growing water lotus for many years, and this year we went to a local pond place and bought two new ones. One was from last year, and one was from this year, and the one from last year had two buds on it. And we put it in the pond, and it, the buds opened up and looked spectacular for a few days. And the other one was growing and looking healthy. But the one from last year, all of a sudden the leaves started turning brown little by little, and now they're all brown and they look all dead. And I didn't know what to do if I should try to take it back to the pond place or is there something I could do with it or it well, looks it, like it's dead. Yeah, it sounds like it too. So you planted them in pots, right? Or did you plant them into the ground? No, no, they were in pots, but that's the way we bought them and just put them in the pond. Right. I would say pull those pots out and take a look at them and, you know, dump it, you know, dump everything out. My guess is everything is rotted. Why it's rotted, you know, it's a little difficult to, you know, predict. But I would say if the place has a guarantee and you dump it out of the pot, you know, before you take it there and it's rotted, they may not give you another plant replacement, but I think they should because it sounds like, it had, you know, the strength, but once it went into flower, it really didn't have the uh, well-established enough root system to make it the transition from, let's say, a retail circumstance where it's the ideal world to, let's say, reality, your yard. Mm, okay. Thank you very much. Appreciate sure. it. My pleasure. And if anybody else has any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have a couple phone lines open. But let's go over to Marie's. Hi, Marie. Oh, hey, hi. How you doing? Very good. Okay, my question is about a, um, a tree next door to me. It's a silver maple. It's big, at least two-story, and it's hollow inside. Um, the lady, she doesn't know much about gardening in that, and, it, you know, I was kind of worried about it, and it's a huge hole. It goes up at least six feet, and I see another hole. So I'm wondering do you think it's dying um will it fall should it be taking down and then my last question is if so can you tell me about the arborists again uh the arborist as far as timberline yeah what was that phone number i didn't catch that you said well, it a minute ago I, uh just uh, go online just look at stltreecare.com or just okay. go go online and put timberline tree care okay and that'll give you the phone number but yeah if it's hollow on the inside that's the structural part and silver maples, that's a soft maple, mm-hmm. and they are very, very prone to potential, you know, let's say storm damage. But right, right. And if they're, hollow, if they're hollow in the middle, that's the structural aspect of it, and that's it. So, yeah, so it, like it could just fall in a big storm. Yes, you're... right. That's what I was thinking. And then she's having trouble with skunks living under her porch, and I didn't know. Do they even live in trees like that, too? No, or? they don't. Okay. They're pretty much ground dwellers. Okay, because she got rid of one of them, and then she's like, "No, I think I smell it again." And so that's why I started. <laughs> I know that's oh. why I started. I started looking around our yard, and then I noticed that big hole, and I'm like, well, "I wonder if they live in that tree." And then I thought, "Wait, this doesn't even look good. Maybe this tree's in trouble." Yeah, it probably has heartwood rot, and that's not a good sign. I grew up in Maple Lane. We had all silver maples, but none of our trees ever became problematic as far as the trees go because they were relatively, let's say, small. 
But once you get that interior gone, there's nothing to you know keep it you know held up. Right, right. And then um, getting back to the arborist, is that um, the, the company she should focus on, or, or should she look at a, a couple of companies and then choose? Or that's a, you know, it's, I mean, it's up to her. But you know, have tell her to call Timberline first and then go from there. And how long did you say they've been in business? Uh, long time. Well, the son, the, the one who owns this particular one now, he grew up an arborist family, so they've been in business for a long, long okay. time. Okay, okay, good. All right. Well, that's that's kind of what I was thinking. Right. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Sure. Mike okay. Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Let's go over to Belleville, and that's where Alex lives, and uh, go over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Hey, Jim, are you there? Oh, yes, I thought you said Alex. Hi. I have a barberry bush that uh, was in a pot, and I put it right beside in the back, was going to plant it, and never got around to it, and the roots grew into the dirt. I want to transplant it because it's keeping me from getting to my sprinkler. Uh, what's a good time to transplant that? I would normally probably dig around it and get it acclimated to the roots being loosened up. Basically get it done before the end of October. Before the end of October. Oh, okay. That's kind of what I assumed. Right. So that way it's got plenty of time. You know, the earlier the better. Because the warm soil triggers root root systems growth, and that helps it make it through the winter time. So get okay. it done as soon as possible. Uh, can I ask you one more question? Sure. I've planted a weeping cherry uh, last fall, and it, the limbs really it developed very very well, and it's drooping quite a bit. I see people cut the bottoms off of those. Is that a good idea or? People that do that just do it because they don't like them going all the way to the ground or something or whatever it happens to be. No, you're buying it weeping so it can weep as much as it you know as it does. So yeah. you don't need to prune it at all. I've seen some blow over, but I thought maybe the lamp all the. But I, that thank you for the advice and thank you for all you do. Sure. Well, thank you. Yeah, the blowing over has nothing to do with the amount of branches it has. It has because. The root system didn't get well established enough. That's where the trouble yeah. came from. So thanks, yeah, I deep, deep watered it. Thank you. Yep. And now let's go to Betty's yard. Hi, Betty. Hi, Mike. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Hey, I've got I've got a couple of questions. Um, number one, let me let me take the blame. I didn't really do any research, but um, I bought two fruit trees this summer. I bought a peach and a pear, a Bradford pear. Um, and to find out that the pear needed a additional pear tree to, uh, to, to bear fruit, is this correct? Well, if it's a Bradford pear, it's not going to bear fruit very well. No? Yeah, I mean, it oh. just, they should, you know, I don't know, you know, Bradford uh. pears, you know, if we're talking about the one that's more or less grown from a flowering standpoint... You know, is this a real fruit tree, Bradford pear? I don't understand. Oh, I mean, all I know is that it's it it is a a fruit tree, a pear tree, and it 
it was growing like straight up, and when I got it, it did have like three uh, pears on it. Okay. Um, but of course, they did not survive with the squirrels. But um, you know, my my issue is is that you know when I was reading the side of it, it said or the little card on it, it said that it needed another one to um, cross pollinate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you do, then so, you're gonna have to, you know, then you're gonna have to get a second one. So at the nursery, there was plenty of them. That's why they cross pollinated. Right, right. You know, I mean, I went up there and I asked the gentleman. I'm like, I go, well, I wish I would have been informed that I needed to buy two of them right. when I bought them. Um, that would have been that would have been nice. Even though, like I told him, I guess I could have done my own research, but I kind of thought that that's what they were there for. Sure, exactly. Um, so, but now the leaves are turning brown and speckly. Uh, it's probably just, I mean, it's not well established enough, so it's just, re- you know, it's getting ready just to drop the leaves because of the weather and okay. everything else, weather and heat. Okay. Okay. And then my last question is, years ago I planted, um, and I know probably not the best tree to plant, but a uh, yellow um, ash tree. Mm-hmm. And it is developed into a beautiful tree. Um, and when I first got it, I was uh, sold on having it treated for the, is it the arbor ash or emerald ash borer? Yeah. 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 Do I have to do that uh, year after year, or does this really need to be done? Uh, <laughs> you just take a chance if you don't do it, but... Uh... The emerald ash borer is, you know, they hit the, the the problem with that particular insect is it causes problems at the top of the tree first, where most of the borers cause problems lower down. So that's why they can be causing major trouble, and you're not seeing the top of the tree, and you don't realize the trouble's happening. Uh, Okay. Okay, so I should go ahead and get it, uh, uh, the the injection that they were doing years ago? Right. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I appreciate your time and your knowledge, and um, I will uh, get me another pear tree and uh, have the other one treated. All right. Great. Sounds perfect. Thank you. Yep. All right. Have a good weekend. You too. Let's go over to Doris's yard. Hi, Doris. Hello, Doris. Good morning. Hi. Uh, Enjoy the show and um, have a question. We were interested in the premium mulch for lawns. And I called over to Valley Park, and we wanted to know whether it comes in bags. And when I called, I was told there are 16 different kinds. So is there a special name that we need to ask for? Now, you're not putting mulch on your lawn, are you? Yeah, my husband usually does. Well, mulch on lawn is not what you want to do. You want to put compost on your lawn. Oh, okay. So that's and, that's what mulch on lawn just that's basically what can you know potentially can cause some major problems. So you okay. want so you want compost and you if you're putting it on your lawn the ideal okay. one is a premium field and turf compost. Premium field field and turf. Right. And that's compost. Okay. All right. Not Maybe mulch. that's why 
Maybe that's why she didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And does do you know, do they carry them in bags? Yeah, there is some in bags, yes. Okay, okay. All right. Thank you very much for your help. Appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, they do have all kinds of mulch, but putting mulch on your lawn is not the ideal thing to be doing. And let's go. Hi, Phyllis. How are you? Uh, hello, Mike. Um, my question is, I've got a row of fire bushes that I have laid down that um, weed barrier, plastic, whatever they call it, down, mm-hmm. and then I put the mulch over it. But there's a couple of areas that grass keeps growing around the base of the of the, of the uh, bush. Right. Is there anything I can spray on that that wouldn't kill the bush? Basically, since it's grass versus you're talking about the you know burning bush, that's what's yeah. growing there. Uh, yeah. Just get a grass killer and spray it on the grass because a grass killer will not affect something that has a broader leaf. Oh, okay, grass killer. Okay, right. great. Thank you. Yep, and it's very <laughs> easy, you know. I mean, that's the easiest way to do. Or you can get, if you have some Roundup, you can just take Roundup and paint it right onto the grass blades. Oh. So it's up to well, you. I know I've used Roundup about at least uh, 15 inches away from it and killed grass, but I feel like it kind of harmed one of the bushes. As I think it got to the bush. Well, it shouldn't because you got to get it onto the foliage. So I don't think really? it was Roundup that oh. was a problem. You have to okay. get it on the foliage. You can't just, oh. if you just get it on the bark, it's not going to do anything. Okay, well, I'll get some grass grass uh, killer. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, bye bye. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, the landscape fabric as far as a weed barrier. I mean, if there's a little gap there and there's weed seeds there, they're going to come up in the gap. Mike Miller, KMY's Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, let's go back to the phones and go to Kimberly's yard. Hi, Kimberly. Hi, good morning. Um, I'm wanting to plant a tree, and pretty much the only thing I am successful at growing are weeds. Um, I'd like to know what is fairly fast-growing and is pretty 11 months out of the year. (laughs) 11 months out of the year, that means it has to be some kind of evergreen. Ooh, and I hate evergreens. <laughs> <laughs> well, then uh, you're stuck with nothing. <laughs> okay. Well, what was what would flower like at least in the springtime? Make a pretty flower, and maybe be a very pretty color in the fall. Uh, I would say go for the service berry. Service berry. Okay. So, and get the tree form, not the shrub form. Okay. So service berry, it's a native wild. I mean, it's grows in the you know grows basically in the woods. So, but it can handle the sun, and it have you know flowers in the springtime, produces small fruits in the fall, and then bright red foliage color in the fall as well. Oh, how pretty! Okay, and so it doesn't matter what side of the house it's going to be on; it'll be on the northwest side. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Just don't okay. put it close to you know too close to existing mature large trees. That's could be true. Right. And there's nothing in that area. We've actually lost two trees, and they've been gone for about 10 years. Okay, then that's so trying to go, like, 10 feet out from where their stump used right. to be. That's fine. And if you want okay. to be something really spectacular, get maybe three different sizes and plant them kind of in close proximity to each other and have a little grove. Oh, that's a cute idea. Okay. All right. I will look this up. Thank you very much. All right. 
And Bye-bye. now let's go into Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi. Hi, Mike. Good Hi. morning. I have a hydrangea problem. <clears throat> it doesn't want to bloom. I've had it for 10, 15 years. It now is about four feet high, four feet wide. And I've I've cut it back over the years on occasion, but I haven't touched it for two years. Mm-hmm. I get two flowers this year, and uh, that's not like them. I notice a couple of the leaves toward the top might have a little curl on them. Have I got a problem there? I also cut out the 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 bare branches. Oh, I don't know what say about May time, June time, the ones that were coming up that didn't have anything on them. Right. Okay, I just want to cut it down, and how far can I go? Well, uh, basically, it sounds like it's just old. Oh, and no. It, it may not flower anymore for you ever again. Oh, boo-hoo. <laughs> That's not necessarily going to be the case. Are you fertilizing it at all? Well, no. Uh, that might help some. You might get some fertilizer for acid-loving plants. Try it for one more year, but if you don't get flowers next year, I'd say you're not going to get flowers. All righty. And give me an idea, what kind of flowers can I put on my deck in a pot in the hot, hot sun other than by uh, geraniums? Uh, basically, you can do all kinds of different things, but the periwinkle, the annual periwinkle would be, do very well. I mean, it doesn't mind the hot, hot, hot sun at all. Okie dokie. All right. Thank you, sir. Love yeah. your program. Thanks. Well, thank you. And also, I mean, the periwinkle you're not going to be able to get this time of year. If you want some color right now, Go to your favorite garden center and get some mums. There's asters, which have blue flowers on them. They can take the hot, hot sun and just leave them in the pots. And uh, Joanne, how are you? Oh, fine, Mike. How are you? Good. Thank you for your show. I appreciate it very much. Um, quick question. Uh, last year, I bought four mini butterfly bushes. Three of them have done real well, but the fourth one is not not doing too well. It stayed more small, and it just doesn't seem to be getting... It has some blooms, but they're much smaller than even the other minis. Um, What I'd like to do is maybe transplant it to a different location. I'm thinking that this location might be getting a little too wet or the soil is not draining enough. Right. Um, uh, When could I... Uh, move that. I would say since it sounds like it's under stress, you better get it moved ASAP. Okay. Do it now then. Yeah. All right. Very good. And should not put anything on it then when I move it. Just No fertilizer in the hole or anything. Just the hole, you know, good size, three times the diameter, but only 80% is deep. So you want the top of the root ball above the surrounding ground. All right. Very good. Thank you so much. Sure. And let's Bye. jump to Larry's yard in Springfield. Hi, Larry. Hey, good morning, Mike. Hi. I have a couple of questions. I'm interested in planting Acusa dogwood. One of my problems, though, is uh, it gets basically sun after 10 a.m. in the morning for the whole day. Is that too much sun for that? No, Acusa dogwood can take it. Regular right. dogwood can take it. Okay. Then I was also advised, I was going to plant it in the fall, but I was advised by one of the plant centers up here to wait and do it in the spring. Is that true or not? Well, it might be availability as much as anything. So you can plant okay. it, you know, you can plant it in the fall if you can get it and get it in the ground. Again, three times the diameter, only 80% right. is deep. But uh, okay. you, if you can find one, I'd say there wouldn't be, there shouldn't be a problem. If you get it okay. in early, if you plant it late, like around oh, Halloween no, no. or something, 
it's not going to get no. acclimated enough, and you probably get if we have a severe winter, it's going to. Kill. No, I was going to do it the first week in October, okay. but the availability may be an issue. A question: I know you recommend the service berry quite a bit. Uh, do they grow up where I'm at? Yeah, they sh- I would think so. I'm not positive. But uh, just, you know, go to the University of Illinois Extension and see if they do have the service berry. All right, cool. All right. Hey, thank you, sir. Have a nice day. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they, you know, they'll grow up there. Although that Springfield is a long way away. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Not in a car. (laughs) No. All right. (laughs) Okay. Or a hot air balloon. All right. Let's head over to Jim's yard, and Jim lives in Baldwin. Hi, Jim. You got to do it kind of quick. Hi, Mike. Uh, real quick, uh, same question to the guy you just talked to. I've got a, I'm thinking about a cornea, kusa, dogwood, uh-huh. and I'm wondering if there's a variety that is conducive to this area. It will be mostly sun and sh- some shade, but mostly sun. Uh, do you have a suggestion on a variety? My brother's got one in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. It was beautiful. It was an orangish, and then the berries come on it. So that would be my question. Yeah, of Variety-wise, availability, you're not going to find anything that exotic here. So okay. weather-wise, so you're just talking about the Coosa dogwood, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. So there's going to be the white-flowered one. I don't think there's another flowered, you know, flowered color one here at all. So. Okay. So it'd be the white. Right. All right. Okay. Good all enough. Right. Thank you so much. Appreciate yep. it. Thanks, Jim. Right. And, uh, yeah. folks, that's going to be it for this week. Appreciate everybody that called in. And uh, sorry, Dennis and Cindy. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.